Hello. Hello. Welcome back to another episode of Diagnosing a Killer, The Mental Breakdown. The Minty Breaky. Minty Breaky. Oh, get it. Well, <laughs> that was a really great high note you hit there. Thanks. How does Mariah Carey do that? Dude, the, the earth-shattering, like, glass-breaking noise. Yeah. I don't know. Speaking of earth-shattering, I feel like my eardrum has been ruptured. I because know. when we started. When we <laughs> started, we always do, like, a test, test, testing or whatever. Testies, uh-huh. testies, one, two. One, two, one, two, three. You Te- have testies was to funny. go see a doctor. Um, <laughs> but we started, and we always do, like, a test check, a sound check or whatever, because... The software that we use tends to, like, update itself without, like, letting us know. Mm-hmm. So all of the settings are changed, like, every once in a while when we right. come in and we're like, fuck. So we <laughs> turned it on and we almost went, hello, like, really loud. And it was, like, the loudest thing I think I've ever heard. It, like, made me jump. We didn't even talk. Like, the silence was loud. Yeah, that's like, <laughs> kind of said the silence was loud. Like, and we knew. Yeah, it was right just really scary. But then we tested it another time and I had my headset all the way on and... You touched the microphone or I something, it and it, or, something. or something, and it was so loud. It was my mistake for keeping my headset on. It's the kind of idiot. loud where, like, you know it's coming, but it still startles you. It's that loud. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> she made fun of me because I did this, like, like spasm. <laughs> it was really loud. That's so funny. So now I feel like my ear is bleeding. Well, I think we're finally good. It's still kind of like a little loud, but it's, it's definitely loud. not as loud as it was. Yeah. I'm just going to rest my headset on one ear. There you go. Just to kind of... I'm not even kidding. I feel like I have a headache. Oh, sorry. That's okay. It's well, I just... cleared a bunch of space in the software that we usually record. So now we have 17 hours worth of recording <sighs> space. So yeah, super excited about that. Super we hope excited. that you guys have been enjoying our recent episodes, especially with Ted Bundeth Part 2 coming out. <sighs> I bet that was a really good like Theodore Bundeth. Uh, conclusion to that story. I that think part that second was... episode was good. It was good. I thought it was funny. Yeah. I think we sounded a little silly. We're funny. We're yeah. funny people. We're just funny people. Oh, if you can't laugh at yourself and sometimes you know we always like to say this we laugh because we're uncomfortable not yeah. because we're dicks yeah <laughs> we laugh at ted bundy oh well yeah i mean obviously yeah creeper anyway oh yeah then uh dama if you're a patreon <sighs> member then you definitely probably already heard uh jeffy dama <laughs> and i hope that you enjoyed that as well speaking of patrons mm. we actually got a new patreon oh. and that is jennifer thanks oh, jennifer thanks jennifer She's actually been talking about meeting up with us in Austin for the meet and greet just yes. to get, like, coffee or, like, get a drink or I something. I would love to get coffee for a quarter. Yeah. That yeah. would be that would be cool. So we should definitely talk more about that. I just, like, briefly mentioned it to you right before recording, and then I said it again. <laughs> and then it was just... And then it just happened. It was, like, sticking a pencil in my ear. Yep. That's <laughs> so great. But thanks, Jennifer. We hope that you're looking forward to the bonus episodes that come along with your Patreon subscription. And when we see you in Austin, we will definitely bring you a sticker. Yeah, I'm excited <laughs> to meet you, Jennifer. So, what do you got for us today? Oh, do you want to give everyone our handles and stuff before you get into the case or Absolutely. the episode? Absolutely. <laughs> You can check us out at diagnosingakiller.com. There you can find links to merch and resources. Check us out on social media at Diagnosing a Killer everywhere except Twitter, which is at Killer Diagnosis. 
I think that's it. I think that's it. Email Check us. us. Out. Yeah, email us. Diagnosingakiller at gmail.com. If you'd like to support us monetarily, do you want to become a Patreon member and you're like, what the hell does that mean? Go to patreon.com slash diagnosingakiller or that Patreon long, long, <laughs> Patreon <laughs> link is on all of our social media, including our website. There you will be able to choose a tier. Our tier two and three patrons do get an additional bonus episode every month on the 29th. And that is completely content warning free, completely editing free, super gory content, like a little bit more than we would normally put on yeah. the cast. Yeah, definitely Dahmer was a little tummy churning. Oh, yeah. So we've done Albert Fish, we've done Dahmer, and we've <sighs> done Toy Box. And Albert I think Fish. I actually I think I actually uh, figured mine out for this month. So. Yeah, I already have August yeah. ready to go. <laughs> I'm just, I need to just jump into it because it's, it's going to be highly uncomfortable. Oh, yeah, for sure. So... It's important to take mental breaks yeah. when we do cases like that. Absolutely. And that's another reason why we, you know, always want to remind you guys that your mental health is super important to us. So we want to give you that content warning in the beginning of our regular episodes and just make sure that you guys are taking care of yourselves. Yeah. Other than the Patreon episodes. Those have no, no, yeah. no warnings whatsoever. Well, you know what you're you getting know, into with those. You know what you're getting into. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we begin? Today we are going to be talking about dependent personality disorder. Oh, yes. I've been wanting to do this one because I feel like we mention this like every mental breakdown. Yeah. And we kind of just talk about it, but we've never done a full episode on it. It's very interesting. And Ooh. I did want to tackle a personality disorder because we haven't really talked about one in a while. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. Content warning. In this episode, we will be discussing dependent personality disorder. Some criteria that we will be tackling may lead to discussions that include topics surrounding emotional or physical abuse. If this episode is not for you, we encourage you to check out another one of our episodes. Remember that your mental health comes first and is very important to us. We love you. Love you. Bye. Bye. Most of what I have is going to be from the DSM-5. Okay. So uh, just because it does a really great job of explaining the criteria and such. Okay, cool. So you're going to hear my book, <laughs> Kenna's book. <laughs> Dependent personality disorder is described as a pervasive and excessive need to be taken care of that leads to submissive and clinging behavior, fears of separation, beginning and fears of separation, beginning by early adulthood and present in a variety of contexts, as indicated by five or more of the following. Oh, yay. Number one, has difficulty making everyday decisions without an excessive amount of advice and reassurance from others. Yep. Number two. Needs others to assume responsibility for most major areas of his or her life. Their life. I should say their life. Number three. Has difficulty expressing disagreement with others because of fear of loss of support, support and approval. Note, do not include realistic fears or retrib of retribution. Number four. Has difficulty initiating projects or doing things on his or her their own because of a lack of self-confidence and judgment or abilities rather than a lack of motivation or energy. So you just, like, don't. <laughs> so you just don't you, you just don't. don't initiate projects because you lack the self-confidence. Number five, goes to excessive lengths to obtain nurturance and support from others to the point of volunteering to do things that are unpleasant. It's so funny because, not funny, but Hilarious. I've been researching a lot about this disorder recently, just on my own. Mm -hmm. And I was actually thinking about maybe bringing it as a mental breakdown, so I'm glad you're doing this. Yeah. But it's funny because I've, like, nearly memorized all of those criteria. Really? <laughs> because I've read them so many times. But honestly, like, if you really think about it, I feel like every one of us 
listeners included, could probably think about one person in their life at least that shows like one or two of those. Yeah, symptoms. absolutely. Yeah, you know because that's pretty understandable if someone feels some of those types of ways. Right. You know? Yeah. Number six. Oh, feel- I'm sorry. I thought you were done. No. It's <laughs> <laughs> fine. Number six feels uncomfortable or helpless when alone because of exaggerated fears of being unable to care for oneself. Number seven, urgently seeks another relationship as a source of care and support when a close relationship ends, Mm. which I found interesting. Yeah, very interesting. Number eight, is unrealistically preoccupied with fears of being left to take care of themselves. Oh, wow. I didn't know that one. Yeah, unrealistically preoccupied with fears of being left to take, like, that's too much. Yeah. To, like, have to take care of yourself, so you seek out yeah. someone else to do it for it's you. It's almost like a really mild version of Munchausen. Syndrome. Yeah. Like, you're not hurting yourself to get people to take care of you, but you're internalizing, like, that you want people to take care of you. And, yeah. Like, you need that, like, that, dependence. That specific know? attention. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? So, yes, if you have met five or more of the fo- of those criteria, you may suffer from dependent personality disorder. Mm. So the dependent and submissive behaviors that one might be experiencing or exuding are designed to elicit a caregiving and, like, response from another person and arise from self-perception of being unable to function adequately without the help of others. Individuals with dependent personality disorder have a great difficulty making everyday decisions, from what color shirt they might wear or whether or not to carry an umbrella in case it rains, And this is without an excessive amount of advice and reassurance from others. So they constantly need that reassurance or guidance. Yeah. So uh, I don't know what color, what color shirt do you think I should wear? Yep. Should I wear this? Should I wear that? Exactly. And I feel like I know a couple people like that. They have Mm -hmm. to, like, if they're experiencing, like, any sort of conflict, whether it's that small or something major, they talk to, like, everybody in their life about it. Right. And try to get everyone's input on it before they make a decision on what to do moving forward. Yeah. I'm going to take, like two different types of selfies and then send them to a few people and get everybody's opinion on what I should wear. Yeah. These individuals also tend to be passive and allow other people, often a single other person, to take the initiative and assume responsibility for most major areas of their life, which is criterion two. Can't make, you know, the decision for the group. Right. Yeah. It's got to be, and not only that, but like most major areas, like what kind of job they should have. Yeah. And stuff like that, which you know, is interesting. Yeah, for sure. Adults with this disorder typically depend on a, depend on a parent or a spouse to decide where they should live, what kind of job they should have, and which neighbors to befriend. Adolescents with this disorder may allow their parents to decide what they should wear or whom they should associate with, how they should spend their free time, and maybe what school or college they should attend. God, that's got to be exhausting. All the time. Just, like, always ha- needing someone else's thought process or opinion, like, yeah. to make your decision. Well, it's got to be exhausting for the people around them, too. Oh, yeah, you know? absolutely. Like, having, literally having to take care of another child. And I feel like that's so much easier to kind of fall into a disorder like that, or mm-hmm. not fall into, but to show, like, more signs than in the past, because now conversation is so accessible right so instead of waking up and waiting until you see someone in person to ask them something like you can just shoot someone a text first thing or in the morning hop on instagram or exactly. whatever and get that validation yeah this need for others to assume responsibility goes beyond age appropriate and situation appropriate requests for assistance from others like the specific needs of a child an elderly person or someone who needs further assistance mm-hmm. 
Dependent personality disorder may occur in an, in an individual who has a serious medical condition or disability, but in such cases, the difficulty in taking responsibility must go beyond what would normally be associated with that type of condition or disability. Yeah, and again, that can very easily turn into Munchausen. Like, if you do get that satisfaction of someone taking care of you after you've been sick, then continually trying to, like, keep yourself sick to get that invalidation, that would change that diagnosis, I think. Yeah, I would think so. But again, it's, if you have a serious medical condition and you're not abusing it, essentially, like, then that's, you know, wouldn't be cause for that or for a diagnosis. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to adjust my leg here. (laughs) Because they fear losing support or approval, individuals with dependent personality disorder often have difficulty expressing disagreements with other individuals, especially those on whom they are dependent on. So you just refuse to kind of have a disagreement you know, one might call it, like, people-pleasing or something. Yeah. So that you don't have to lose that person that you're dependent on. You always want to kind of please that person so that you always have someone around you. Yeah, exactly. And you want to kind of butter them up, so to speak, like, all the time. Like, by, yeah. do- by, by doing things that might put you out of your comfort zone. Right. You know. These individuals feel so unable to function alone that they will agree to do things that they feel are wrong rather than risk losing the help of those to whom they seek for guidance, essentially. They don't get appropriately angry at others who support and nurture nurture them out of fear for alienation. Like, they don't want to alienate that person. So, again, they won't... Even if they are upset, they might just rein it in to not have to have a discussion around it or to further upset the other person. So, which, you know, just makes me think, like, In certain times, everybody's been in a situation where somebody has said something that you don't like. Yeah. But this would essentially be, like, someone you should be comfortable enough with to have a discussion around not approving of what someone else has said or done. Yeah, exactly. And in this case, it is almost essentially to the detriment of yourself that you don't say something because you're just bottling it in. Yeah, exactly. You're bottling it in. And then also, like, when it does come out, then it becomes this big excuse me, this big blow-up. Yeah. May potentially, I don't know. Why didn't you tell me it bothered you then? Because it wasn't a big deal before, but now that it's been festering, it could potentially become a very big deal. Right. Well, it could have already originally been a big deal, but you didn't say anything because you were trying to not push that other person away. Yeah, it's interesting. Just really quick, you know how we talk about um, epigenetics and how, you know, develop uh, disorders can develop based off of like a past trauma or something mm-hmm. that can have them come to the surface i wonder if the past trauma if you will in like a person that might have dependent personality disorder would be someone blowing up and leaving their lives perhaps a parent you know they blew up at their other parent and they decided that they're going to get a divorce and they leave yeah and they're very fearful that the next time someone gets angry around them or at them that same thing is going to happen. Yeah, I totally so, agree with that. That's yeah. a great way of looking at it, honestly. That's it, that's likely. Yeah. So, wow. Look at us. <laughs> I'm so smart. I'm so smart. If the individual's concerns regarding the consequences of expressing disagreement are realistic, like realistic fears of retribution and an abusive, with an abusive spouse, the behavior should not be considered to be evidence of dependent personality disorder. Yeah, absolutely. Because, again, you're in fear for your fucking life. Yeah, that would fall out definitely out of the criteria, right. for sure. Oh, I'm crossing my legs again. <laughs> your mental health is super important to us, so we're thrilled to announce that we are sponsored by BetterHelp to support you. 
BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service, and it's 100% online. With BetterHelp, you can access a network of over 30,000 licensed therapists with a wide range of specialties and be linked with the perfect match. Whether it's via text, chat, or video call, you can talk to your therapist when it works for you. When it comes to your mental health, BetterHelp is a convenient and affordable option for therapy. Get 10% off of your first month at betterhelp.com slash D-A-K-P-O-D. That's betterhelp.com slash D-A-K-P-O-D for 10% off your first month. Individuals with this disorder have difficulty initiating projects or doing things independently, like we mentioned in Criterion 4. They lack self-confidence and believe that they need help to begin and carry through those tasks. I definitely don't have this. <sighs> right? <laughs> I'm over here, like, I'm like move out of my way. <laughs> Get out of my way. I applied for fucking grad school the other day, and I didn't even have to. (laughs) That's so exciting. I love Uh, that. We shall see. They will wait for others to start things because they believe that, as a rule, others can do them better. Uh, Just other people can just do it better than I can. That's sad, though. But they lack the self-confidence, you know? That's really sad. Like, well, you guys will take care of it. Like, it's fine. Yeah. Like, I'm not even going to touch that because someone else can probably do it better than I can. Jeez. sad. These individuals are convinced that they are incapable of functioning independently and present themselves as inept and required, um, like, require constant assistance. So they just feel, like, they also don't just feel that way, but they present that way. Like, I just can't. I'm incapable. Someone has to do it for me. I, I, yeah, I can, I can see that. I can also see, like, it being, like, something very, whoa very embarrassing like that (laughs) like that um for someone to admit that they can't do it so they'll maybe like make a comment kind of insinuating that the other person can take care of it but not saying that like they can't but like you probably do it better than me but not saying like oh i can't do that like i just can no they probably do say i can't do this i don't know well probably to themselves especially well again this is like dependent like dependency this like, is like the like the this is most a, serious an entire the... personality type, you know, yeah, that's that it's true. just that that is me. Like I am the meeker, weaker person and I can't do it as well as you yeah, can. Yeah, that makes sense. And it's like wrapped up in praise almost, you huh. know? Yeah. Like you're just the best. You're the best at it. Hmm. I can't do that. Oh. I can I can see it yeah. either way. On the flip, they are likely to function adequately if given the reassurance that someone else is, like, supervising them or, like, is approving of their actions. Okay, I can see that. Like, yeah. I can do it, but you need to walk me through it. Like, yeah. I won't be like, able to just do it on my for own. For sure. Yeah. Like, they need someone to say, no, like, I'm right here with you. You can do Got this. Got it. Got it. Yeah. God, it's got to be hard to, like, get a job and stuff. Like, right? Like, if you have this personality stuff. But if you're, you if know? you feel validated in your position, then, There you go. You know? That makes sense, yeah. There may be a fear of becoming or appearing to be more competent because they believe that this will lead to abandonment. Like, oh, you can handle it on your own You now. can handle Goodbye. it on your own. Mm-hmm. You've got this covered. Because they rely on others to handle their problems, they often do not learn the skills of independent living, thus perpetuating dependency. Oh, yeah. They probably live at home for a very long time. Yeah. Yeah. Or get stuck in, like, a roommate situation for a very long time. Yeah. That's got to be so hard. Like, I can't even imagine. That's got to be so draining. Individuals with dependent personality disorder may go to excessive lengths to obtain nurturance and support from others, even to the point of volunteering for unpleasant tasks 
if such behavior will bring the care that they require. Like, for example, like, maybe going to, like, out of your way, like, maybe 30 minutes to pick somebody up because you really want them to come with you. Yeah. Yeah, or maybe dealing with a friend that you know isn't good for your partner because your partner likes that friend. Oh, You know? Like, I'm putting myself in an uncomfortable situation, and I can't speak to that because... If I say something bad about your friend, then you might get mad at me. You might you know? choose your friend over yes, me. Yes, yeah. exactly. They are willing to submit to what others want, even if the demands are unreasonable. Their need to maintain an important bond will often result in imbalance or distorted relationships. They may take extraordinary self-sacrifices or tolerate verbal, physical, or sexual abuse. It should be noted that this behavior should be considered evidence of a dependent personality disorder only when it is clearly established that the other options that are available, the individual, like, ignores. Mm-hmm. So, again, if you're, like, in a domestic violence situation and you have nowhere else to go, that might, that wouldn't be considered dependent yeah. personality disorder. But if the option was to maybe spend time with a partner or go to work and you choose not to go to work and spend time with that partner, even though that option is there, Yeah. then that would be considered like a dependent behavior. That makes sense. Individuals with this disorder feel uncomfortable or helpless when alone because their exaggerated fears of being unable to care for themselves. That's part of the criterion six. They will tag along, quote-unquote, with important others just to avoid being alone, even if they're not interested or actually involved with what's happening in the situation. Yeah, and I feel like, honestly, with with any mental disorder, like, solitude is is not going to help that. It's right. just going to perpetuate your, your fears and your ideas, mm-hmm. um, especially something like, you know, schizophrenia spectrum disorder or delusional right. disorder. So... That, that's that's where it's got to be hard for this because one of the criterions is that you can't, not can't, but a lot of people don't put themselves out there out of fear of failing or thinking that they can't do it, right. which results in them being alone, a lot yeah. at home because they don't have a hobby or a job or whatever. Right. But then being at home makes the symptoms worse. Or worse can, yeah. because they feel, again, alone, abandoned. Yeah. It's almost like it's like a self-manifestation. Like you don't. You don't want to be alone, but you, yeah, yeah it's yeah. like facing your worst fear yeah, if you're going like to treat a vicious cycle. Yeah. I just found it interesting that they, again, out of fear of being alone, people with dependent personality disorder choose to even put themselves in situations that they're not even a part of. Yeah. Like, just to be around people. Yeah, just to be around people. And that would be like, I don't know, inviting. Like, oh, I'm going to a wedding this weekend. Oh, can I come? Yeah. Or, <laughs> or like, you know, oh, we're all going to go play tennis. Like, I've never played in my life. And I won't play. I'll just come and I'll watch. Yeah. Or whatever. Exactly. Like, that. Yeah. like, I'm not even a part of whatever's going on here. Yeah. And I don't know the company. But I do know you. And, you know, it's yeah. like a gateway. I feel like, again, everybody knows somebody with at least one or more of these yeah. criteria. Yeah, so it's very common. I'm, I'm anxious to hear the prevalence. When a close relationship ends say, with a breakup with a lover or the death of a caregiver, individuals with dependent personality disorder may urgently seek another relationship to provide the care and support that they require. Mm -hmm. Their belief that they are unable to function in an absence of a close relationship motivates these individuals to become quickly and indiscriminately attached to another individual. I've seen that before. it doesn't matter who it is. I'm just going to run to the next person that will give me that attention. Yeah, absolutely. 
Individuals with this disorder are often preoccupied with fears of being left to care for themselves. They see themselves as so totally dependent on the advice and help of an, help of an important other person that they worry about being abandoned by that person when there are no grounds to justify such fears. So yeah. to be to be considered as evidence of this criterion, the fears must be excessive and unrealistic. For example, an elderly man with cancer who moves into his son's household for care is it is exhibiting dependent behavior that is appropriate given the life circumstance. Of course, yeah. Like, you're not going over there because you can't be alone. You're going over there because you're ill and you need the help. Exactly, yeah. yeah. But it's not like just having to seek out the next person, mm-hmm. you know? So prevalence. Oh. Data from 2001 to 2002 National Epidemiologic Survey uh. on alcohol and related conditions. Whoa. That was a big word. <laughs> what is it? Epidemiologic. Oh, there you go. Epidemi- yeah, I said. I, that's what I said. Sure. It yielded an estimated prevalence of dependency of dependent personality disorder of 0.49%. And dependent personality was estimated based on a probability subsample from part two of the National Comorbidity Survey replication to be 0.6. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. That's actually a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's interesting that, you know, we talk about like schizophrenia spectrum, for example, that a trauma might trigger more symptoms or signs of schizophrenia disorder mm-hmm. later in life and i really feel like this is one that is probably attached to some type of a i don't want to say like a ptsd but a trauma response yeah no absolutely and that yeah. can be like any trauma environmental physical emotional psychological it doesn't have to be abuse it yeah. can be a big move you move away from you know your hometown and you lose all of your close friends right. that's something as simple as that can be an emotional trauma yeah that can absolutely. cause something like that to surface In clinical settings, dependent personality disorder has been diagnosed more frequently in females, although some studies report similar prevalence rates rates, uh, among males and females. So so there are five main types of dependent personality disorder, and I'm going to talk about those real quick. Oh, interesting. So disquieted dependent, including avoidant features, manifests as restlessly perturbed, disconcerted, and fretful. What do all those words mean? (laughs) Like, yeah, for sure. Perturbed? Perturbed, isn't that, like... Disconcerted? Isn't perturbed, like... Just, like, miffed. Aloof? No, like, miffed. Like, just... Just, uh... No, not that one either? Okay. (laughs) I'm over here, like, I'm wicked smart. (laughs) Fucking wicked smart. It's okay, just keep going. I'll I'll use context clues. (laughs) This person feels dread and foreboding. Apprehensively vulnerable to abandonment, lonely unless near supportive figures, Uh which is, you know. So the next one is the selfless dependent, including masochistic features. Huh. So this person merges with and immersed into another person. So, like, has to be completely immersed by someone. Uh Is engulfed, enshrouded, absorbed, incorporated, willing to give up their own identity and becomes one with or an extension of another. That sounds like Carla Homoko. Right? The selfless dependent. Yeah. Like, you, I will turn myself into a murderer to keep you and I together. Yeah. And to be happy. Yeah. That's wild. Because this is what you want. Yeah. The immature dependent, which is a variant of pure pattern, apparently. This person is unsophisticated, half-grown, unversed, childlike, underdeveloped, 
inexperienced, gullible, uninformed, incapable of assuming adult responsibilities. Yeah, that's like kind of fucked up like all those words like what a day <laughs> that sounds like, like a really shitty yeah that situation. sounds like, seriously but i mean it's just it's just because of probably when it started manifesting of course you've just learned to be that way that and yeah maybe you were nurtured as a child you know maybe not in an extreme way but that's what gives you comfort yeah and you just You're don't need to grow up overly nurtured yeah, yeah definitely definitely Accommodating dependent. This is including histrionic features. Oh. This person is gracious, neighborly, eager, benevolent, compliant, obliging, agreeable, denies disturbing feelings, and adopts submissive and inferior roles. So one person that's like too happy. Yeah. And always wanting to hang out. Like a Stepford wife. Yeah. Just like there's nothing wrong in the world at all. Yeah. I am never going to let you see that I'm upset, and I'm right. always going to be available to hang out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So then the last one that we have is the inf- ineffectual dependent, including schizoid feature- features. Oh, wow. Schizoid. Is that right? Schizoid, schizoid, yeah. This person is unproductive, gainless, incompetent, meritless, seeks untroubled life, Refuses to deal with difficulties and is untroubled by shortcomings. Oh, wow. So a little bit... That's aloof. Like, unbothered. Yeah, I would think so. Just a little, like, eh. But seeks an untroubled life. That's interesting. That is interesting. I mean, I seek an untroubled life. (laughs) Yeah. Refuses to deal with difficulties. This is gonna, like... This kind of person reminds me of someone who would be, like, a train hopper. Like, Mm. it's like, I'm not worried about anything. Like, I'm just gonna... I'm a free spirit. But wants to talk to, like, everyone that they talk, they see on the train. Have to. Yeah. Yeah. To maintain that connection with yeah. just people. Yeah. So a little bit of history of DPD, which came from Wikipedia. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the conceptualization of dependency within classical psychoanalytic theory <laughs> is directly related to Freud's oral uh, psychosexual stage of development. Mm-hmm. So frustration or overgratification was said to result in an oral fixation and in the oral type of character characterized by feelings, feeling dependent on others for nurturance and behaviors by represent- representative of the oral stage. Dang. Forgive me. It's a lot. Later, psychoanalytic theories shifted the focus from a drive-based approach of dependency to the recognition of the importance of early relationships and establishing separation from early caregivers. So in which the exchange between the caregiver and the child become internalized and the nature of these interactions become part of the concepts of the self and of others. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's like, honestly, like, I feel like that's a really fancy way of saying, like, you can literally do, like, whatever and your kids still might have this because, like, it's an internalized dependency. Yeah. It's not, like... That you did something wrong by like taking care of your child, and I yeah, but I feel like everybody wants that feeling of being nurtured or taken care of. Of course, and I, but once yeah. you once you get to a certain age, granted, you do not have a disorder like this or a mental a mental disorder, you start looking for that in a partner instead of in a parent. Yeah, and that's where you get that same so comfort, true. but you don't need your parent anymore right. to do that. I def I I. 
I can see exactly what you're saying. Nobody wants to really date their mom or their dad, you yeah. know, they, and they don't want to also feel like you're their child. Yeah. And that you're, that you as a person having to be someone's parent either. And it reminds me of this episode of Dr. Phil where the husband was real, like, kind of like misogynistic and, um, but she wanted to, she was like, oh, I'm fine with just being this submissive little whoa, whoa, head in the clouds. And um, Dr. Phil asked, he said, when was the last time y'all had sex? And he was like, oh, I don't know. It's probably been like a year at least. And he's like, yeah, because nobody wants to have sex with their dad. <laughs> that's like, pretty true. I mean, that's what it was. And and he's, you know, he's like, well, I'm down for it, whatever. And she's like, I'm, I'm completely shut off here because you're treating me like a child. Yeah. And I don't, that's, you know, there's somewhere in this, and this somewhere in the subconscious is like, don't no. do that. <laughs> That's Don't weird. Do yeah, yeah, exactly. It bosses you around all the time. Yeah, for sure. So treatment for DPD can include psychotherapy and sometimes medication is necessary as individuals with DPD can have increased depression and anxiety. Got it. Yeah. yeah. So like kind of treat the the comor- comorbid symptoms as well as like yeah, the disorder. Exactly. Yeah. And that should lessen those signs and symptoms. That's true. But yeah. Really what what it's about is just being self aware. It really know? is. And and we're not obviously by any means saying that you can just like change your mindset and not have a mental disorder. No, but, yeah. But it's just really that's why like one of the main reasons that we do this is education and the more that you know about a disorder that you might be experiencing or a loved one might be experiencing, the earlier you can help and get treatment for that. Yeah. No one, not everyone with DPD or any mental disorder is going to require treatment or require medication or, yeah. you know, talk therapy. But if you can get to it at the root before it becomes out of control, mm-hmm. that's the main goal in this. Is, for sure. You know, and, and you can't, we've talked about it before with epigenetics. Sometimes you can't prevent a mental disorder from mm-hmm. developing. Sometimes you're born with it. Sometimes it's genetic. Sometimes it's hereditary. Right. Sometimes it, it just comes out over the surface because of a trauma. Yeah. So knowing how to approach it if and when it does come up is the key, I think. Right. And so. there, DPD is, as far as we know, a hereditary yes. um, mental disorder. Mm-hmm. So it is likely that if you experience symptoms like that, a parent is probably experiencing those same symptoms or has. Mm-hmm. And that's how you just patch, pass it down. I yeah. mean, if not, if not by nature, then by nurture. Yeah, which for is sure. interesting. Yeah, that is really interesting. Yeah. Well, that was a good one. I'm glad Thanks. you brought that. I've been wanting to talk about that. And of course, you guys know that we always have all of our resources on our website. You can definitely click there. We definitely want you guys to get like the best mental health treatment possible, and just be aware of certain things. Yeah. You know? We are not here to exploit people with these mental disorders. We're here to educate. Of course. And we're here to, to really get to the root of yeah. how to help. You and know? start discussions, not yeah. just, you know, I mean, Kenna and I are just sitting in a closet, but, you know, start discussions with your friends and family about yeah. some of the things that they might be experiencing. Or it doesn't even have to be that. You can just say, I listened to Diagnosing a Killer and they talked about dependent personality disorder. And now I can recognize that maybe in myself or in others. Yeah. And then you just know a little bit more. Exactly. That's okay, too. You do what you can (laughs) until you know better, and then then when you know better, you do better. Do better, better. yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Just do better. Well, that was good. Thanks for bringing that. I hope you guys enjoyed this one, too. All right, all right, all right. We'll see you guys on Thursday with another case, and yeah, I think that's it. Anything else? Nope. Let's get out of here. All right. (laughs) Love Love you. you. Bye. Bye. 
There's chocolate and then there's lint chocolate. Chocolate that has a silky, smooth, and velvety texture has been synonymous with the name lint since its conception in 1845. Click the link in the show notes to receive free shipping with a $60 purchase. Be part of the Lint legacy and grab a bag of their world-famous truffles today. <laughs> 